0: Hey, this is Jason Byler. I'm the pastor of uh, Life Change Church. I want to thank you so much for checking out our podcasts. I'd like to ask that uh, you would listen to Revelation chapter 1, which reminds us that there's a wonderful blessing that comes to those who read and study the Word of God and take it into your heart. So just as you listen to these podcasts, uh, just try to open your heart And receive the word of the Lord. We believe it will change and transform your life. Again, thanks so much for uh, checking these out. I pray you'll be greatly blessed by them. Thank you. God bless. Amen. Praise the Lord. I wonder, I know all of us are thankful this morning for the presence of the Lord with us. I wonder if you online uh, are experiencing this as well. Uh, this wonderful presence of the Lord that has uh, descended upon us this morning. I don't know about you, but I long to to be in times of worship uh, like this uh, and to meet uh, with the Lord. Thankful for uh, Him blessing us uh, by being here with us this morning. And I hope uh, that He's meeting with you wherever you are uh, at home because I know that all of us need to be uh, encouraged. These are, you know, some crazy times that we're living in. This has been a crazy and a difficult year, uh, the year uh, 2020. Uh, but, but at the same time, I don't know about you, but there has just been this extra special protection and blessing uh, of the Lord. His grace truly is sufficient I'm thankful that He's with me, I'm thankful that I'm His, and I certainly don't want to go into the future without Him uh, not being His. I'd much rather be a child of God uh, than a child of this world. I'd rather be dependent on Him than the systems, the so shakable systems of this world. One little virus has spun this whole thing out of motion, It just shows us how shaky money and the foundations of this world are. I'd much rather be dependent on the one who cannot be shaken. I'm glad to be a child of the king. One of the good things that has come from all of this has been it has stirred up within people a desire to know the times. To know where we are, and where we've come from, and where we are going. And so we have been having this conversation on The Times and I was getting questions before we started this series about it and now I'm really getting questions about the times now that we have entered in to this series. So I think that as we as we dive back into these things that we'll just get more and more answers from scripture and I would encourage you to search the word of God on your own to enlist the help of the Holy Spirit and to learn and to learn and grow as you stay. Study the Word of God. Seek answers from the Scriptures uh, for uh, uh, yourself. This morning, uh, as we continue this uh, discussion, uh, I am reminded that the times that are to come are going to be uh, some difficult, uh, deceptive, uh, discouraging times. And I am not only reminded of, of of the reality that that is coming, but of the reality of the the truth that the times that we live in are deceptive times, and if we're not careful, can be very discouraging times. One of the really bad things that has happened with all of this that has taken place this year is that many have so been discouraged by all of this that has has gone on, because these can be very discouraging times. And I want to remind you as the saints, as the people of God, that we are not to be a deceived people, and that we are not to be a discouraged people. That we are to be a people, not only with confidence, but with great confidence in our God, and in His Word, in His work, and in His promises. And we are to be a people who are encouraged. We are to be a people who are greatly encouraged. So, the reason I bring this up is because... The more I look at the times that we are in and at the times that are to come, the more that I study the scriptures to find answers for what we are going to face in the future, the the less discouraged I am, the more encouraged I become, and the greater my confidence is I'm telling you, my confidence as I study the scriptures, specifically looking at the times that are to come, my confidence has only grown I feel today a greater confidence in the Word of God and in the blood, death, and resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and in the promises in Scripture than I ever have before in my life. I know that 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 that this is true and that He is true and that He is with us and that He is faithful and His promises are just and right and true. I'm confident this morning and, and the more confident we get, I feel like the less discouraged that we are, the more I look at this, the more confident and the more encouraged I am. So, I hope this morning that this will take place for each and every one of us here and for all of you who are online, that every little bit of discouragement will be wiped away and that you will be strengthened and refreshed and encouraged this morning. And that if you've got a shaky confidence, that that will be gone. And today will come to you great confidence in the Word of God, in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, in all of the promises of the Heavenly Father that we will grow in confidence and that we will grow in courage this morning. Seems like maybe this is a good place to just break and just pray this and ask God to bring to us confidence and encouragement this morning to not only for all of us here, but for all of you who are joining with us online. Let's pray. Let's use the gift of prayer and let's ask God to move and speak to us and change us and strengthen us and specifically bring to us confidence so that we'll not be deceived. And encouragement, so that we'll not be discouraged. Because if we are deceived and discouraged, we are a prime target for the, for the enemy to pull back, fire his flaming darts at us, and take us down. But when we have confidence, man, we lift that shield of faith and quench all the fiery darts of the enemy so that he is not able to deceive us and lead us astray. Let's pray this morning. Lord, we thank you for your presence with us. We thank you, Lord, that even though we are in deceptive and discouraging times, we are not deceived and we are not discouraged. We know that this is only going to increase, but we thank you that your grace is sufficient to keep your saints and to lead us through deceptive and encouraging times without being led astray or without being discouraged. We pray today that in our time together that you would come and that you would strengthen us and that you would bring to us great confidence and that we would be greatly encouraged. We ask you to do this in the mighty name of Jesus and all God's people said amen. amen. It's pretty pretty good. Kind of weak, almost right there. You can get better at it. Let me take a drink of water. So as we have been discussing the times, we, have, we understand that the time that we are in is a wonderful, wonderful time. It is a time of God's patience, the day of salvation, where everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now, what is coming next, the next big world-changing event, I am... I am so convinced of this i just see this more and more in scripture is the rapture of the church people have people have questioned this and and i have even been questioned on why do i believe this happens before the tribulation and i have put some time into that and we'll we'll discover more about that this morning but i am just so convinced of this that the next thing coming is the rapture of the church that Jesus is going to come and He's going to snatch up the saints out of here before the tribulation period begins. Now, that then sets the stage and the environment is, is, is ripe for this seven-year tribulation to begin. Now, if you remember... The reason we say it's a seven-year uh, tribulation is because of the, the timing of events uh, that are given to Daniel by the angel Gabriel, a pretty, pretty trustworthy witness, <laughs> given to Daniel by the angel Gabriel uh, in Daniel chapter 9. Daniel is given from Gabriel the, the times that are to come. They are seventy uh, sevens. So there's 70 periods of seven years that are to come from Daniel till the end. And Gabriel points out that 69 of those happen, and then there's a break between the 69 sevens and that last 70th seven-year period of time. So we know that then there's a gap of time between the 69th, uh, 7th, and that 70th, 7th, and that that 70th, 7th is the seven-year tribulation period. And this is what it says about it in Daniel chapter 9, verse 27. Just to remind you. Daniel 9, 27, we are introduced uh, to uh, the Antichrist, the the lawless one, uh, the beast, uh, and uh, it's gone, and it was up, then it's gone, there we are. (laughs) Uh, And and this seven-year period of time, I want to remind you of this, uh, because many people are asking and wondering about, about times, and we do have some information. He will confirm a covenant with many uh, for one uh, seven. So this is that uh, 70th, uh, seven-year uh, period of time. We understand that that he, the, the lawless one, uh, the Antichrist, is going to uh, make a covenant with many uh, for a seven-year period in the middle of the seven. So Three and a half years, so the seven-year uh, tribulation is then broken down into, into two uh, three-and-a-half-year periods of time, right? Because three and a half is half of seven. Aren't you glad I'm here for you? What would you do without me? He will put an end to sacrifice And offering, and at the temple, we'll set up an abomination that causes desolation until the end that is decreed is poured out. On uh, him, and so here we have uh, Daniel introducing us uh, to this beast, Antichrist, lawless one, giving us this seven-year period, uh, breaking it in halves, uh, telling us about the abomination that causes desolation. That Jesus also refers to and mentions Daniel. So this this has uh, the endorsement of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, uh, who, by the way. Uh, not only claimed to be Christ, but said that he would prove it by dying, being buried, and rising again, and then did, proving forever that he is the Son of God. So Jesus endorses this and says that this will happen. Now, the... Uh, the. In the book of Revelation, uh, we've come uh, to, we actually got into chapter 12, but in chapter 11, uh, there are some times that are introduced in chapter 11, and uh, we see uh, our kind of our first introduction to the beast, to the Antichrist, to the lawless one, which is an important uh, character uh, that... That you know, I hate to say character that way for lack of a better term because you know it makes it fictional. But this is not fictional. This is in the future, but this will happen, and we know that it will happen because not only did Daniel declare it, but Jesus did uh, as well, Uh, and the Book of Revelation is going to declare this uh, as well. Uh, In uh, Revelation chapter eleven, we not only we get some more times dates, and we also are introduced to. Uh, the uh, the beast, uh, the Antichrist. So, if you remember, uh, John is given, in chapter 11, he is given a rod to measure out the temple, and we see that in this measuring there is a distinction made between the Israelite people and the Gentile people, and that the Gentiles are given uh, a a time of forty two months where they can trample on the holy city, so forty two months, three and a half years, so again we see this this seven divided into two periods of time, this three and a half year period of time, and then John sees two witnesses now there 's a lot of debate about these two witnesses we don 't know what their names are. I encourage you to try to figure it out. It'll be a fun study for you and you'll learn a lot. Go ahead, try to figure it out. You can get back with me and tell me who they are. We don't know their names, but we do know this, that these two witnesses are servants of the Lord God Almighty And that they have been given a period of time of 1,260 days or 42 months or three and a half years. So again, we got this seven year period of time uh, that has uh, been uh, divided into two, three and a half year uh, periods of time. These guys are given power to be a witness. Uh, They are in Jerusalem and they are under the protection of the Lord. Not only do we know that they are servants of, of God but we know uh, that there is this reference to Zechariah chapter 4 uh, which which is the you know the great scripture you know, that tells us that it's not by might nor by power but by the Spirit of the Lord. So we recognize that these two witnesses are servants of God and that they have come in the authority of God and that they are moving and operating not by their might or by their power, but they are moving and operating by the might and power and Spirit of the Lord God Almighty. And they come for 1260 days and they are prophesying and proclaiming the word of the Lord. Now they are proclaiming the word of the Lord to a wicked generation, to a world that has turned away from God. So the world hates these guys. And not only are they hated because they are proclaimed, because they are shining the light of Christ, but they are hated because they have power from on high to do incredible things, to shut down the rain, to bring about uh, plagues. So they bring so much trouble on the world that the world hates these guys. But they are, even though they are hated, they are untouchable. They cannot be destroyed, which just which just so strengthens my confidence in, just again, we see God's Ability to provide and to protect for his his people, his servants. You've got these two guys who the world wants to wipe them out and nothing the world can do can kill them. Anyone who comes against them is destroyed by fire coming out of their mouths and they will live until the time that they have been given is over and nothing anyone can do about it. All of our technology, all of our weapons, all of our power, all of the strength of our arms. Talking about this world system, I don't really want to include myself in that. I'm a saint, people of God. All this world's ability can do nothing to stop these two guys. (laughs) Because our God is a bad dude. And you want to be on his side. Now when their time is over, the beast then will emerge... And will attack them and kill these two witnesses. So we get our first look at this beast, this lawless one, this Antichrist who comes and kills these two witnesses. So now you can see how, how he is, uh, he very quickly becomes very popular and powerful uh, figure uh, here, uh, even more so than he already was, uh, because he takes out these two guys who have so troubled everyone in the world that the world hated, right? And the world watches this, and they celebrate, and they send one another gifts, and these two lay dead in Jerusalem for three and a half days, not years, three and a half days, they, which is a, is a long time to lay dead on the streets, of Jerusalem, and they are abused and ridiculed by the world. After three and a half days, the Lord comes and breathes the breath of life into them, breathes into them like when he formed Adam out of the dust, and and Adam became a living being, and they, they rise up alive and completely healed, and then not only are they raised to life and the world sees it, The whole world sees it, which is easy for us to understand because all the technology that we have, We we see everything that goes on in the world right now. They rise up and then they ascend into heaven in front of everybody. And don't you think that everybody's not thinking, man, this sure seems familiar. I remember the stories my great-grandmother told me about this guy, Jesus, who rose from the dead, and then he ascended up into heaven, and these guys have been claiming to be servants of Christ, and here they are doing the very same thing that takes place, and then there comes this earthquake that shakes. (laughs) You like my earthquake sound effects? All right. I don't know what kind of mood I'm in this morning, but we'll just roll with it, see what happens. Here earthquake sound effects and, and shakes the city and a tenth of the city is destroyed of Jerusalem and 7000 people are killed and then there is this there is this uh, people in uh, Jerusalem I think I think this is probably the Israelite people right because the time of the gentiles has has, has, has there's been a change there and now you know Romans 11 uh, there is this moving of God to reach his People, the Israelite people, and there is this people that cry out to the Lord and give Him glory and honor. There's going to be a revival among the Israelite people, among the people. Of God, so that ends, and then you know I don't have time to go back over all the trumpets, but the seventh trumpet is sounded, and at the sounding of the seven trump, the seventh trumpet there is there is worship and declaration that takes place. In heaven uh, the, the uh, twenty four elders ma- to declare and, and worship breaks out in heaven, and then revelation eleven uh, verse nineteen this is how revelation eleven ends it is very interesting to me and has and has so confused me and i 've been just thinking about it and praying about it and i 'll give you give you my answer for it which which i 'm excited about revelation eleven now, verse 19, this is how it ends before we move into Revelation 12. It says, then God's temple in heaven was opened because there is a, the, the real temple is in heaven, right? The Rome, Hebrews tells us that the earthly tabernacle is just a copy of the one that is in heaven. And that Jesus, that, that we went, you know, that priest... Would, the high priest would, would go to the earthly tabernacle with the blood of bulls and goats, but that only pacified God. But Jesus, the high priest, not in the order of of Aaron or the Levitical order, but in the order of Melchizedek, that he went not through the earthly tabel, tabernacle with the blood of bulls and goats, but that he went through the heavenly temple with his own blood, and entered into the Holy of Holies with His own blood, therefore making way for all that are His, for all that are washed in the blood, for all that run to Him for salvation, to have access to heaven, access to God, access to eternal life, access to freedom, access to peace and joy, forever! because it wasn't blood of bulls and goats, it was his blood, and it wasn't earthly, it was heavenly, solving forever our troubles and our problems. So now this temple in heaven is opened, and within his, God's temple, was seen the ark of his covenant. So John is seeing into the temple in heaven, and he sees not only into the holy place, but he sees all the way in to the most holy place, where the ark of the covenant is. Breathe. All right, calming down. Hallelujah. Right, you remember that that when Jesus shed his blood, that the veil was rent. That separated the holy place from the most holy place. And that there was earthly access revealed into the most holy place. But that not only happened on the earthly tabernacle. It also happened in the heavenly one. Because John sees all the way through the holy place into the most holy place. And recognizes there the Ark of the Covenant. Now... This is really cool to me because we know that this book of Revelation is written for us. Right? That's what Revelation 1 says. It says that Jesus gives this to John to show his, not his servant, singular, but his servants, plural, meaning not only John, but all those who are servants of the Lord God Almighty, what is soon to take place. So, God, you know, we know all Scripture is actually given uh, for us, but, you know, some Scripture is recorded as history, and we know that God's purpose in that was for us, to encourage us. But Revelation is so clearly, specifically given to John, recorded for you and I, so that we would know what is to come. Hallelujah. So here we, we see God showing us the temple, showing, you know, we think, okay, John's seeing this, right? But, but let's say it like this, that we see God showing us the temple in heaven that is opened all the way to the Ark of the Covenant, that we get this glimpse, that God wants us to see this. Now... This is also interesting to me. I'm not trying to make a big deal about it, but it's just interesting to me, or maybe cool to me, that this happens at the end of Revelation chapter 11. Right in the middle of the book of Revelation, because it's 22 chapters, and right in the middle of the book, Revelation chapter 11, God does this and shows us his temple in heaven, opened all the way to the Ark of the Covenant. It's like God almost, it's like he recognizes, all right, my servants right here at the halfway point, right here in the middle, there's something they need to see, there's something they need to remember, there's something they need to be reminded of. Now, I know that the chapter breaks didn't come till later on, but don't you think God already knew that? Don't you think that God knew that we were going to break this down into chapters, that there was going to be 22 of them, and that if he wanted to do something right in the middle, that it was going to be Revelation chapter 11, right there in the middle of all of this? right at a great point, God says, let me remind you of something. Let me show you something. Let me show you into the temple and let you see all the way to the Ark of the Covenant. And then, after he sees this, after we see this, there came flashes of lightning, rumblings, peals of thunder, and an earthquake, and a severe, severe hail storm. Now, as I pray about this and and look at this and and meditate on this and, and all that all that you take in as you're studying through the book of Revelation what what I feel like the Holy Spirit stirred within me what came to my mind was Hebrews chapter 6 where the writer of Hebrews points us to the temple and to the Ark of the Covenant to remind us of the certainty of God's promise and the all-sufficiency of the blood of Christ so we see here God is showing us into the temple saying to us remember to put your confidence in me remember to put your confidence in Jesus remember to be washed in his blood remember that your anchor flies all the way into the temple and doesn't land in the holy place but it goes all the way in to the Ark of the Covenant the most holy place this is where your anchor lands to secure you and to hold you, no matter what has come, or what is, or what is to come. Let me read it to you, Hebrews chapter 6. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 13. When God made his promise to Abraham, since there was no one greater for him to swear by, he swore by himself, saying, I will surely bless you and give you many descendants. And so, after waiting patiently, Abraham received what was promised. People swear by someone greater than themselves, and the oath confirms what is said and puts an end to all arguments. So, you know, if there's an argument about uh, something like, you know, you owe me this, now pay it to me, and they say, well, I'm going to pay it to you, I promise. And they say, well, okay, you've promised to pay that to me, but that's not good enough. Your promise isn't good enough. I need you now to swear by something, like to swear by the word of God, or to swear by God, or to swear by something greater than yourself, you know, so then someone would swear by something greater than themselves, and they're swearing by something greater than themselves, and their promise would confirm what they were saying, that they would pay back this debt and would put an end to all argument. Because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear to his heirs of what was promised, he confirmed it with an oath. God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled to take hold of the hope set before us may be greatly encouraged. See, we are greatly encouraged because God has not only promised, but then God also swore by Himself. And there's no one greater than He is. He, <laughs> He, He, is unchanging and his word is unchanging. So God did this by two unchangeable things that in which it is impossible for him to lie and his unchanging nature so that we who have taken hold of this hope are greatly encouraged. And we look at the future and all that is to come and all that's going on right now. And in the middle of all of that, God reminds us of the certainty of His promise and the certainty of His character that what He has said, He will do. And He is not a man that He should lie, or the Son of Man that He would change His mind if He has spoken it, He will perform it. So when he says, when he says that I have so loved the world, that I gave my only begotten son, that whosoever, whosoever, anyone, everyone, everywhere who believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life, then because of his two unchanging things, his character, his nature, we who have believed in Jesus shall not Perish but have everlasting life. Hey, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Hallelujah. That's good news right there. Sorry for getting my preach on. I don't want to perish. I'd like everlasting life. I want to stand and live in the abundant life that is found in Christ and in Christ alone. And I am looking forward to my eternal home. And I am confident, certain, with an unshakable confidence and certainty because of the promise of God and the God who has promised. I'm greatly encouraged. Amen. Sorry for that. Hallelujah. I'm not really, I'm just messing. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters in, it enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where our forerunner Jesus has entered on our behalf. He has become high priest forever in the order of. Melchizedek, it seems to me like right in the middle of the book of Revelation, God just shows us this glimpse into heaven to remind us of where our anchor is, of where our hope is, of where our security is, of where the people of God stand. And the security of our position it's like God's saying to us don't worry don't be afraid your anchor is not in the holy place it's all the way to the most holy place and then he like seals it with rumbles and lightning and thunder and an earthquake and hail comes down on the earth God's saying to us be confident holy people be confident saints of God your anchor is secure it lands in the holy place in the most holy place where the Ark of the Covenant is and it will stay there and you you will stand and your position is held nothing can separate us from the love of Christ hallelujah and we are greatly encouraged because of this praise the Lord thank you Jesus now as we come back here to the book of Revelation then we get into uh, Revelation uh, chapter 12 and This sign appears in heaven. We talked about this, so I'll move through it. This sign appears in heaven of a woman. and We've already identified her. You can study this out as the nation of Israel. And then another sign appears. A great dragon appears in heaven. And we know from... From his description, and it just says it in Revelation 12, verse 9, that this is the devil, uh, Satan, uh, who leads the whole world astray. Uh, This uh, dragon uh, goes after uh, this woman who is pregnant, uh, about to give birth uh, to a child. Uh, She gives birth to a child, and the dragon is waiting there to devour uh, this child, in verse three, she gave birth to a son, a male child, uh, who will rule the nations with an iron scepter. And her child was snatched up to God and to uh, His uh, throne. Uh, so, you know, I, I made the argument last week that that you know some people say this is Jesus, some people say this is the church. I think they're both right. Uh, this is Jesus. This is His church. Uh, we are in Christ one. Ephesians five and. Then later on, here in Revelation chapter 12, it speaks of her offspring as being the saints of God. So this is Jesus. This is the church. I believe that this speaks of the rapture, this snatching up that happens here to the church. Some people say that this is referring to the ascension of Jesus in Revelation chapter, in Acts chapter 1. I don't think so. I think it's the rapture of the church represented right here. Jesus wasn't snatched up, Jesus ascended. And it's a different language there if you study it out. This language is the same language that is. Used in verse Thessalonians four, where we learn about Jesus coming and rapturing His church. So, so, so the serpent, the 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 dragon, the devil wants to devour, wants to devour the child of the woman, but but the church is lifted up out of there. So we see a long period of time that takes place. All right. And it reminds us of what Jesus has said in Matthew 16 that we also saw when we looked at the two witnesses that Jesus said in Matthew 16, he said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it, that we know that, there, that God is able to keep his servants for however long a period of time that he wants to keep his servants. So in the church period of time, we are kept like the two witnesses are kept and protected and Jesus will build his church and death will not prevail against it. And it's interesting that the enemy continues to believe that he can kill the saints and that that is going to end the church. When When the only thing that happens is that the killing of the saints perpetuates the growth and the movement of the church. And and the lost put their faith in Jesus when they see the faith of the saints, when they are faced with death. And yet the enemy continues to try to destroy the church by bringing about uh, the killing of the saints, warring against the Saints now, uh, in verse six, uh, after the snatching up to the throne of God, the woman Israel, fled into the desert to a place prepared for her by God, where she might be taken care of for here we got another time period, three and a half years, one thousand two hundred and sixty. Days and then remember there is war uh, that takes place uh, in heaven. Uh, the, the the Michael the archangel uh, gathers the angels of heaven, goes to war uh, with the dragon and his angels, and they fight. But the dragon is not strong enough. Uh, Satan, that deceiver, that serpent, is thrown out of heaven down to earth, uh, down uh, to the. Uh, that one who leads the whole world astray is cast out of heaven. And then there is this you know, this great passage here. Let me just read it to you. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, Now come the salvation, the power, and the kingdom of God and the authority of His Christ. For the accuser of our brothers who accuses them before our God day and night has been hurled down. They overcame Him by the blood of the Lamb. There's the blood again. Word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. Therefore, rejoice, you heavens, and you who dwell in them. But woe to the earth and the sea, because the devil has gone down to you. He is filled with fury, because he knows that his time is short. So This is not something that has happened yet. This is something that is to come. This battle that will take place in heaven. The enemy is cast out of heaven. His position changes. He is now on the earth and cannot return to the heavens. And because of all of this, he is filled with fury. He knows his time is short. And he is on the earth with a desire to deceive and to destroy. So when the dragon saw that he had been hurled to the earth, verse thirteen, he pursued the woman who had given birth to the male child. So we're back to Israel, back to this this woman that had given birth. Verse fourteen, the woman was given two wings of a great eagle so that she might fly to the place prepared for her in the desert where. She would be taken care of for a time, times, and half a time. So here again we have this three and a half year period of time. So the devil wants to take out Israel, but they flee to a place that is prepared for them, where God will protect them and provide for them for three and a half years Uh, Probably, in my opinion, the last three and a half years of the tribulation, they will be there, they will be protected, the enemy unable uh, to touch them, protected and provided for uh, by uh, the Lord. Then, uh, verse 15, then talking about the dragon, from his mouth, the serpent spewed water like a river to overtake the woman and to sweep her away with the torrent. Now, many times in Scripture, water or sea is a picture of of the nations. This is a picture of uh, of people, of a large gathering, you know, a sea of a people. So probably what takes place here is out of the mouth of the enemy. Uh, so, so being led by the deceptiveness of our enemy, the nations are deceived to bring about a sea, an army that will be launched Out towards Israel to take them out, to destroy them, to catch them and wipe them out before they reach this safe place that has been prepared for them by God. So it's just an important reminder here, again, of the deceptiveness of our enemy, that out of his deception, out of his deceiving, he deceives the nations and leads them astray so that he can spew them out of his mouth like a river to run down and destroy the people of God, to not work about God's purposes, but to work about his purposes. He is a deceiver, and these are incredibly deceptive times that many will be deceived and many will be led astray. But we understand and know that we are not to be a deceived people. This is one of the reasons why God has given us all of this so that we can learn and grow and understand the tactics of our enemy and not be led astray or deceived by him. So this torrent comes after him. But the earth, verse 16, but the earth helped the woman by opening its mouth and swallowing the river that the dragon spewed out of his mouth. So don't know exactly how this will take place, right? But we have seen God in the past open the earth and swallow the wicked. And we have seen him part the Red Sea and, and drown the wicked. So we know that the, this army can be running down and, and God's not, he's not like, oh no, I didn't expect that what in the world's going to take place how will i help my people no god just opens the earth and the earth opens and this army is gone and swallowed up and israel is safe then verse 17 then the dragon was enraged at the woman and went off to make war against the rest of her offspring now the rest of her offspring, see here, now, now really Revelation identifies that not only is this Jesus, but this is the church. This is the, the rest of her offspring. These are identified as those who obey God's commandments and hold to the testimony of Jesus. Those who obey God's commands and hold to the testimony of Jesus and the dragon that's the end of, of chapter 12, and then chapter 13 begins, and the dragon stood on the shore of the sea. Then as we come into verse 13, now we're going to, chapter 13, we're going to see the, the Antichrist, the beast, the lawless one who is going to, Emerge, but this really sets us up uh, for uh, to help us understand what Paul uh, says about the lawless one uh, in Second Thessalonians. And I wanted to end today by reading this to you. Yes, I said end today. Hallelujah. By reading uh, Second Thessalonians to us because, because it kind of ends for me. The way that Revelation 12 ends, and it speaks to us of the lawless one of uh, the anti-Christ. 2 Thessalonians uh, chapter 2, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered to him, we ask you, brothers and sisters, not to become easily unsettled or alarmed, right? We're not to be unsettled, we're not to be uh, alarmed. Don't be easily unsettled or alarmed by some prophecy, a report, or letter supposed to have come from us saying that the day of the Lord has already come. Don't let anyone deceive you in any way for that day will not come until the rebellion occurs and the man of lawlessness is revealed the man doomed to destruction now this is not talking about the rapture here this is talking about the return of Jesus with the church to deal with the man of lawlessness to deal with the antichrist and and Paul is is wanting the church to not what? He's wanting the church to not be deceived. Because not only are these deceptive times that we live in, but the times that are coming are going to be incredibly deceptive times. Do not let anyone deceive you in any way, and for that will not come until the lawless one is revealed, uh, the man doomed to destruction. Right? We do not want to connect with the guy who is doomed to destruction. Verse 4, he will oppose and will exalt himself over everything that is called God or is worshipped so that he sets himself up in God's temple proclaiming himself to be God. Right? This is what we read in Daniel 9.27, uh, the abomination uh, that causes desolation. This is what Jesus spoke about in Matthew 24. Verse 5, don't you remember that when I was with you, I used to tell you these things. And now, listen to this, verse 6, and now you know what is holding him back so that he may be revealed at the proper time. For the secret uh, power of lawlessness is already at work, right? We we hear this from Paul right now, that this antichrist lawless spirit is already at work, right? And and John tells us this as well in 1 John, that there are many antichrists, this spirit of the antichrist, this deceptive antichrist spirit is already at work in our midst. So, So we learn that there's really deceptive times coming, but that these are deceptive times that we live in, and that this spirit of Antichrist is a deceptive spirit that will lead people astray. We are not to be a people who are deceived. We are to be a people who are of the truth and who are not led astray by this deceptive spirit of the Antichrist, but Let me me read this again, verse 7. For the secret power of lawlessness is already at work, but the one who now holds it back will continue to do so until he is taken out of the way. So right now, the lawless spirit, the antichrist spirit is at work, but it is being restrained. It is being held back. It is not yet what it will be. It is is strong. It is not as strong as it will come. It is deceptive. It is not as deceptive as it will be. There is one who is holding back the spirit of Antichrist, the spirit of the lawless one, but when he is taken out of the way, verse 8, then the lawless one will be revealed whom the Lord Jesus will overthrow with the breath of his mouth and destroy by the splendor of his coming. So right now there's the spirit of Antichrist. There is something that is holding it back or a he that is holding back the spirit of Antichrist so that it is not as deceptive as it will be. That's going to go away. He's going to go away. And then the Antichrist will appear not held back and deceive the nations. His deception will be great. And we're going to read about it and learn about it uh, some more. But right now we see that we are in this time, yes, there is a spirit of Antichrist, but there is one holding that spirit back. And that one, I would say, I believe, is the church of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit filled men and women of God. The saints who are full of the Holy Ghost are holding Back the spirit, the deceptive, lead people astray spirit of the Antichrist. But when the rapture takes place, we're lifted up out of here, and the Holy Spirit filled saints are gone, and the lawless one will appear with no restraint, not held back to deceive the nations. You remember what Jesus said in Matthew 5 that we are the salt of the earth, that we are the light of the world, that the power of the Holy Spirit-filled church in the earth today is shining a light in the darkness that is restraining the deceptive spirit of the Antichrist so that the lost can see and believe. And in this time that we live in, call out to the Lord and everyone who does that shall be saved. You are not some nobody You are a very special somebody. You are a light in this earth full of the Holy Spirit holding back the deceptive spirit of the Antichrist so that Jesus can be revealed and proclaimed and preached and the lost can be saved and changed and transformed so they don't have to go through any of this mess but they're lifted up out of here with the rest of the saints of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ Christ. Good God, give him some glory. Hallelujah. Praise the name of Jesus. You are a saint child of God called by the Lord God Almighty. You, do have, you have no idea how wonderful and chosen and special and anointed you are. The church of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. It's going to come to an end, but we are not done yet. We still have a purpose. We still have a destiny. God still has a plan. This is still the day of salvation, and we are light, and we are salt to proclaim the gospel of Jesus' name. And just like the two witnesses in chapter 11, we have the protection and the blessing and the anointing of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit, so we can declare like it was declared in Zechariah 4, that it is not by my might nor by my power, but by His Spirit saith the Lord, that we can stand and prophesy and preach and the church of Jesus Christ will prevail and not be destroyed. The gates of hell will not overcome it until our time has come into an end and we are lifted up out of here. I know this has been a crazy year, but we are a crazy people with a crazy powerful God and we can do the things that God has called us to do. We are to be a confident people our anchor lands all the way in to the most holy place we are to be an encouraged people because God is with us never to leave us or forsake us and we are to be a people full of purpose proclaiming the gospel of Jesus name until the time of our proclaiming has come to an end but it has not ended yet we live in the day where everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And how can they call on one they've not believed? And how can they believe in one they've not heard? And how can they hear without a preacher? This is why it is said, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. And it doesn't speak about me, it speaks about us. It's talking about the church. It is us Together, who are called to proclaim the gospel of Jesus' name. And you say, yeah, but the deception is so great. The enemy is so powerful. But the Holy Spirit-filled church is holding him back. That's why the world, instead of hating us, they ought to thank us. Because right now, we are the force holding back the enemy, holding back his deception, shining the light of Christ, I wanted you to know this morning that you are a child of God, that you are a saint, that you are called and chosen, that you are anointed, that you are a light, and that you, us, all of us together and the church around the world, we are so crucially important to God's plan and to his purpose. Don't be discouraged. Be encouraged. Don't be afraid or dismayed or deceived. Be confident this morning, people of God. Be confident this morning, people of God, and full of strength and courage. And let's go out into the promised land and let's win some people for Jesus. And let's continue to hold back the deception so that the captives can be set free. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we love you this morning. We are thankful to be saints. We are thankful to be your people called by your name, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, a people declaring the praises of our God, a people declaring the goodness of our God, a people declaring the salvation that is found in Christ and in Christ alone. I pray today, Lord, that you would would come and enrich and strengthen and encourage your people. I know we're in a difficult year, but we are difficult people. We are people of power and passion and anointing, and we can stand and face anything that the enemy brings against us and hold back his deception. We are full of the Holy Spirit and our anchor of confidence and hope is is thrown all the way into the most holy place. I pray today that you would encourage your saints and that we would be filled with confidence and full of encouragement. Filled with courage today to do the things you've called us to do and to be the people that you've called us to be. Stir us up this morning, Lord, to be your witnesses in this time and to prophesy and proclaim Jesus until our time is done. Help us to do it, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I just want to ask you this morning, and I want to ask all of you watching online, do you know Jesus? Have you been washed in the blood of the Lamb? Have you trusted Him as Lord and savior? Is he king of your life? Have you called out on him for salvation? Today is the day of salvation. Don't wait till tomorrow. Don't put it off. Today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. Open yourself to him. Receive him as savior. Receive him as Lord. Become a saint. Become a child of the king. Enter into abundant life and eternal life. Make today the best day of your life. If you want to do that this morning, I just ask you to raise your hand. Thank you, Jesus. I see your hands. Yes. Thank you, Lord. I see your hand. If you're online and you want to do that this morning, just raise your hand right where you are, wherever you may be. And as I pray, just repeat after me and invite Jesus into your life. Make him your king, your savior, your Lord, your God, your everything. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, We want to be with you. I want to be with you. I want to be yours. I believe that you are king, that you are savior, that you are Lord. And I ask you, Jesus, to come into my life, into my heart, save me and change me, make me yours. I declare that you are my savior, that you are my Lord, that my life from this day forward is for your glory and for your honor. In Jesus' name, amen.